Welcome to The Uncertainties, the podcast for 20-somethings who don't quite have their shit together yet. I'm your host, Karis, and the reason that I started this podcast is because the last few years have been a huge learning curve for me. Entering the world of work, moving out of my family home, trying, and often failing, to face up to the challenges of becoming a fully-fledged adult. It can be overwhelming at the best of times, and I hope I'm not the only one who feels like this. In fact, I know that I'm not, because I'm going to be speaking to a ton of my friends and people that I admire about the struggles that they are facing now, or have in the past, and how they are still able to absolutely smash life. If this all sounds a little bit too serious, don't worry guys, it's basically just going to be a safe space to share life's tragic stories. It was pretty easy to get today's guest in on the podcast because we lived together. Since leaving uni, she's been a bit of a globetrotter, having spent most of 2017 traveling around the world and then spending three months in Sierra Leone working for a charity. That was where she discovered her love for helping others and has since moved to work for a new charity called Restless Development, which is a youth-led development agency placing young people at the forefront of sustainable development in Africa and Asia. Holly... Thanks for being here. Thank you. And also, (laughs) yeah, I was just going to say, it also means we can do this in our pyjamas. How was your gym session? Um, I'm not going to lie. It was really, it was really intense today. I've been absolutely going hard at the gym and I can't even walk now. I've been trying to take breaks. Just a bit of context of this. I'm not really a gym person at all. Like I'm the laziest. (laughs) You can vouch that I'm like the laziest person ever. It feels good though. It's a good pain, isn't it? It feels good for like the 15 minutes after the class when you get the adrenaline, not adrenaline, what is it? The rush that you get. Um... Endorphins. 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 That's the one. Adrenaline. <laughs> you probably get this. Adrenaline, adrenaline too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've got to say that the three days that um, proceeded after that were... I was in on the most pain maybe I've ever been in my I life. I love talking about it, though. I love walking around <laughs> the office and being like, oh, God, I'm just so stiff, everyone. I did a gym <laughs> class last night. I said I did a gym class last night. Oh, so did somebody say gym? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah I did back-to-back classes last night. Well, I'm, actually, my neck is finally better now. Yeah. Can you see the? Can you see what incredible mobility I have <laughs> in just two days? We really didn't think Karis was going to make it earlier guys, this week, I guys. I thought I was going to be in a neck brace, honestly. Karis honestly. assumed that she had the mumps. That's the first thing you think when... When your, your neck, neck hurts, hurts. Is, that, is that a really I just weird assumption Yeah, I'm just like, I've had a dodgy sleep. I, exactly I get neck ache all said. the time. No, but if, honestly, mine was like, I I've, I felt neck ache in my life. And this was this was on a whole different level. Like, I could really? not move. When I woke oh, up gosh. in the morning, I was like, holy cow, my, uh, my neck is, it's immovable. It was crazy. And last time this happened to you and you had a pain, <laughs> we were like, oh, it's just a bruise coccyx oh. you were in operation table next next the next thing we knew <laughs> that's a whole other story <laughs> that's for another time guys we don't have enough time for all of these stories um but yeah what else has been going on in your life apart from veganuary i'm not enjoying veganuary like i have tried some it's really cool hard. stuff but it's been really really hard and i don't know how you've done it i've well i have <laughs> I I, I mean I do times. feel like a um, an imposter to be sitting here saying that I've done complete veganuary because I I haven't. I have. <laughs> In not. fact, I just had some chocolate that was <laughs> stuff like that. Though I just wouldn't. I even also consider. know. Yeah, I know if I make it too hard on myself, I'll just give up. Yeah, like, yeah early yeah. on. That's... You need to allow yourself yeah. to slip here and there. Otherwise, yeah. and, and you also do. You want to think that you're doing it for yourself because I because I've been vegetarian for a long time. And I always do think, I walk past McDonald's, I'm just like, 
no one would know if I had a burger that's right so, now. And then I'm like, what am I, I, I think I had, my mum always says this to me, she's like, what, no one really cares. So if you're not doing it for yourself, then Who there's no point. Yeah. You're what not, you words? shouldn't be doing it because like people are going to judge you. Yeah. And I just like, if I'm in the office, they do actually do oat milk in my office, but it does run out a lot. Yeah. So. And I'm just like, if I want a cup of tea. Fuck it. I just want a cup of tea and I'm yeah. just going to have the milk. Um, and I love cheese and I love, um, I love eggs to be honest. Eggs are my, I've really struggled. And actually it's the only one that I've stayed away from somehow. I thought that's the one I was going to really struggle with. Um, I have had like cheese and milk, but I just miss eggs. There's no substitute for eggs. I tried scrambled tofu message to everyone out there. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. Never do it. Is it not good? Yeah, it's tough. I'm on a long road. I've really badly gone the other way. Like, doing a vegetarian January has made me genuinely have dreams of meat. I've had dreams of meat. I I haven't eaten it for three years. I will find myself... I'll catch myself in the middle of the day. I've been daydreaming for 15 minutes about all of the different types of meats I could have. What my first meat meal is going to be. What's it going to be? Oh, okay. I probably t- have I told you this before. I'm I'm in between, just uh basic but does the trick Nando's because mm-hmm. I feel like I know what I'm gonna get with that and I know that I'm gonna be satisfied, or like a flat iron mm-hmm. steak or something. Just yeah, like just they're, go they're straight into that red meat, girl. Or chicken sours because mm-hmm. that's pretty good. I mm-hmm. don't know. I'm just. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many options. I'm going to be a bit overwhelmed, but yeah. My little cousin. Your little cousin. Went to Zanti for the first time. He's not so little anymore. Oh my God. I dare to think what my little cousin was doing in Zanti. But it was his first time. His mum was like, she like obviously helped. She like pays for a lot for him, but she was like, the one thing I will not pay for is it's Zanti. your Zanti holiday. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I paid for my own holiday. So he had to work, but I think he was just really bad at his job and just like never went in or never went to shit. So he didn't actually end up. I think yeah, he hated it. Oh. And I was talking to him and he was like, "Yeah, I've like, I, I haven't got that much money because mum <coughs> won't like get much for me, but I yeah, I've got enough. Like I've got enough of it. Like, I've got seventy quid. That's gonna last, isn't it?" <laughs> And I was like, so either like, I just completely lost sight of money now and actually 70 quid was a lot and maybe I did just spend 70 quid when I was on those holidays in a week. Or is he just like going that to be able to pay for one, one evening? I didn't want to say that. That is was, absolutely like, absurd. Yeah, he was like, I've got 70 quid for like the whole week. The whole week. I was just like... I, like, I didn't even I say anything. I admire that like, optimism. Oh, That's okay. the kind of optimism yeah. I have where I'm like, oh, I've got like gonna... 70 quid to last me until like the end of the that month. That is barely going to get you from the airport to the hotel. <laughs> that's, that is... Ambitious. Some, that's ambitious. I haven't actually spoken to him since then, so I wonder if he did manage to make 70 quid last <laughs> He stood year. at the airport. He just said it's so he confident, though. He said, I've got enough. Like, I've, got, I've got like 70 quid for the week. Like that, That'll be all right, won't it? <laughs> and like, and who, like, who are you to crush his dreams as well? Like, you know... He I might actually make think it. you're actually more... This is against feminism, and I'm a huge feminist, but mm. even those scenarios, like, if you're a girl... You get Not that I did this, but you can kind of... 70 quid is even ambitious for that. But, like, for a girl, you can get away with paying less. Mm. Mm-hmm. A girl. Not me as a girl, but... 
I'm sure a girl. I'm sure there are girls out there who have done this. Um, and could just make people buy them jokes all day. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, if you're a boy, especially if you're trying to get laid, which is kind of the which is kind of the point. The point of going to Zanti. The first and last time I ever skied. Ever skied? Do you think you'll ever ski again? No, really? I'm scarred. Wait, how exactly did that happen? Um, I thought that skiing was going to be easier than it was. It's and it was a hard. really bad day for skiing. The weather conditions were awful and I just like threw myself off a mountain, essentially. <laughs> so you hadn't booked to do like any introductory... I had a lesson before I went. On like a fake... And I was just literally going to do an easy run and just like snowplow all the way down. But yeah. the conditions were so bad <laughs> that snowplowing just wasn't an option. <laughs> it wasn't enough. And it just, I just fell and then I, I literally just tumbled. <laughs> and my skis didn't come off, so it just went... <laughs> pulled my knee. Oh, that's not good. And then I got underdiagnosed at the French hospital. Wait, hold on, sorry. I just really want to paint a picture of this. So you were going... (laughs) So, like, were you with friends who, like... I was with Dudgeon, who couldn't ski. Who couldn't ski, either. Okay, so both of you just were like, fuck it, we're going to go on any... Any slope. We'd been too too hungover to go to... We'd had a ski lesson, but... (laughs) We were too hungover to go to it. So we, everyone had already got up and started going. So it was just us two. So we were like, how hard can it be? And we just got on a... We just... Us two together are very bad decision makers. And we just went to the top of the mountain. the worst idea ever. Have you heard of The Folly? Um, it's yes, like the bar. The bar that's, they've that's got in like, London. No, it's... Oh. No, they're like on all the ski resorts. All the posh ski resorts. Which is one I'm like, thinking of. There. Like... It's called Le Folly Deuce, I think. Oh, sorry. You okay, know the yeah, one yeah. where you see people's like videos? Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. dancing and on the table. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the folly. There's there's like loads of them, basically. And there was one... Cause we were in Teen, which was right next to Val Yeah. So everyone was just like, we're just going to ski. And then, and, like, everyone was just on about the folly. Like, they just could not stop going on about it. They were like... Yeah, we're just going to ski and get to the folly. We'll meet you with the folly. Like, that's any why people that went was, on that ski trip. That was the place. And me and Gudgeon had just been trying to find the folly <laughs> all day. And we'd, like, been calling our friends on the slopes to be like, we can't get there, we don't know how to ski. <laughs> and they were like, we're all here, we're at the folly. Like, woo! Could hear, like, the music in the background. <laughs> and I could see the folly. And I fell, like, 50 metres outside the folly. No. So I was just sitting on my ass, and I could, like, see all of my friends dancing on tables. And I could hear the music. And I was just sitting on the slope <laughs> with an engineer, just like, so close. So close. I didn't even get to the folly after all that. If oh I'd have got God. to the folly and had a shitter, that would have been one thing, but I didn't even do that. Wait, so like... And then the next day, Britt, Britt... When you my called friend, your friends, were mm. they like all drunk and you were like, guys, turn we're around. We're so close, I can see it, <laughs> pretty much. And then a bl- I had to get like taken off in a blood wagon, like a, someone had to ski me down in like a... Stop. In literally like a mummified thing. Was, was that like a body? It was quite fun actually, but my ne- my knee kept getting knocked. Oh, but it was quite good. But I was just kind of embarrassed <laughs> that all of my friends at the folly could see me being wrapped up and then skied off this mountain. <laughs> oh my! And then the next God. day, Britt, who didn't Britt, who's this uh, another one of our friends who couldn't ski, was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, you know you can just get a taxi to the folly." Oh fuck off! <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> let's discuss your life. Um, so, obviously, I met Annie at uni, and then you met Annie. You've actually known Annie way longer than I've known her. Me, Annie, 
you go way we back. We met when we were seven years old. Yeah. Um, but we, we stayed friends. And then, like, all went to uni. Mm. Um, and then now, and then after uni, since uni, we're, like, super, super close. Yeah. Trying to so, map out my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, did you work for a year before then going travelling together? Yeah, I worked. I actually, my pre-career job like CV is quite funny. Oh my god, yes. Do you know where I worked? I I, I think I know. Uh, I say I worked at Harry Potter Studios, the best place in the world. Oh my god, I'm so jealous that you worked at Harry Potter. I know. It was. Was it, was it like really on fun. your break? Were you? Did you get unlimited butterbeer? No, not at all. Really? We got like a slight get- discount off the tickets. I, I had worked there for quite a while because I was there in the summers of my uni as well. Oh really? So I was quite Why respected. Did- probably did i was that I person that anyone that's life. been you know when you go on that broomstick ride and yeah. someone's like and dodge the bus <laughs> and just sway from side to side in oh, the wind and the hogwarts express is behind yeah. you move out the way yeah I that was... was me i did that all day every day Mate. and that got a bit boring <laughs> but i just kind of got my head down after uni everyone was going into work so it wasn't i didn't feel like i was missing out on that much in london yeah me yeah, and annie yeah. were both just like had our heads down um and just trying to like get as much money as possible um so yeah so as soon as you graduated did you know that you wanted to do a year of traveling so your basically your only goal was to make yeah so save for that yeah yeah okay that makes sense because yeah, i didn't take up year before uni and loads of people i know like everyone yeah. i know did really everyone i, I, yeah, I was I friends with at uni i really and I still haven't, guys. I'm, I'm waiting to take it at some point. I am glad I didn't do it before uni because I just know myself and I wasn't mature enough. Oh, my God. I, I didn't grow died. up. And t- I didn't even grow up at uni. I didn't grow up till I went travelling, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I my whole school life was totally... And even uni as well. So sheltered. So sheltered. Yeah, yeah, Such... Yeah, yeah I... D- I mean, it's, it's a lot of hand-holding at yeah, school, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I went to, like, an all-girls private school where everyone was from the same... Everyone was from the same background. Yeah, so... And everyone... I think this is why I struggled as well, which we'll probably go into in a bit, not really knowing what I wanted to do because my school... It was quite... Like, pushy's probably the wrong word, but it was very much like a... Encourage people to go to Oxford and Cambridge and to do medicine, and then everyone else kind of like falls somewhere in between. But you weren't encouraged to do a gap year at all. That like wasn't I didn't even that wasn't even put in front of me. No one I knew was doing a gap year. Really, Um, it was only people that like didn't get onto their course that kind of were forced to do a gap year. And then I went to uni, still having that, like, sheltered life. And it was like, oh, get some independence. Go really far away from home, which I did. Went to Newcastle. And I guess I got some independence of, like, living on my own. But I was still very much in the same... In a bubble of people Just, yeah. from middle class, like, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, same walks of life. I know exactly, exactly. what you mean. It was a total echo It's basically chamber. just like a child's playground, really, being at uni, isn't it? Yeah. Like... I remember looking around at Leeds and just being like, I don't think I've seen anyone aged over 28 mm. <laughs> in this whole city, which yeah. is a bit worrying. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's not really reality. No, but I don't really think I became like independent till I left uni, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so how was your experience travelling with Anne? What was your favourite place and oh, what was your favourite story of being... The amount of people that asked me this, I just don't 
No. Like, I loved Australia and New Zealand, but I, I had a great time there, but it wasn't, like, that culturally different from being yeah, it's in like the UK. Yeah, it's, like, life-changing in a way. Yeah. My, Myanmar was, like, probably, like, West yeah, being out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Until Sierra Leone. <laughs> but, um... Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it just, like, opened my eyes to different countries yeah i think when i went traveling that's the first time i actually saw probably like the first time i actually saw people struggling that probably whole experience i hate to say oh I, that's when i realized like i just wanted to help people in life because that sounds so cliche but it's probably like when i was like thinking about what i wanted to do that factored into it really really heavily i think yeah because i just like as i was kind of saying before when i came out of uni i was like what do i want to do and everyone was going into like marketing or banking or mm. all this kind of stuff. And my, my dad, bless him, was just like giving me all these job job adverts, mainly in like marketing or advertising. I was just like, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. But like, that's not what I want to do. Yeah, this isn't my passion. Yeah, and I know, I don't know what I want to do, but I just know what I don't want to do. Yeah, and I mean, that's sense? a good place to start. Exactly. You know what I mean? like... Exactly. And I think my sister... I had like quite a lot of pressure because my sister was in a really good job in insurance and she'd come straight out of uni and moved out straight away and gone straight into like mm. a really well paid internship. Yeah. So I think like there's always a tendency f- for your parents to just like that's how your sister's done it. So that's like the only they thing they know. Yeah. yeah. And so when I actually said I wanted to go into charity, my dad I think was just a bit like almost just like helpless because he was like I don't know anyone who does that I don't know how to like help you I don't know how to kind of like use my skills to to like help you yeah, get a job in that yeah parents always want to do their best so that you have yeah. like, the best foot forward exactly and just want life. us to be set up and have a good job and good yeah, income yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah I can see why he felt but I mean that's also a big step of growing up is being yeah. able to be like this is what I want to do and you know I'm gonna find the means to yeah apply for this stuff yeah. and pursue it so and I think now that I'm so happy and I've actually got a job that I really like and I'm just like have a career yeah. in something that I love I think he's a bit like they didn't like see it being this kind of successful you know what I mean I think he's yeah. like sort of pr- like proud and surprised and just like well you've actually like made something out of this career path your job sounds so cool yeah now but let's think about before yeah. how when you first got into um your first job yeah how long were you in your job before you found out you were going to so i ended up doing eight months in the office interning as a corporate partnerships assistant um so it's like a fun it's kind of like a fundraising role um and it's actually what i do now but yeah this is how i first got into (laughs) it i learned i I learned like a lot from that and then i went to sierra leone probably like september by I always knew it was, like, what I wanted to do. Like, I definitely... I hadn't actually been to, like, Africa before, apart mm. from Morocco. And I was, like... I was just, like, so interested in it. And I'd never been to the continent. And I suppose if you're working so hard for eight months uh, at building these relationships, that's that's the ultimate payoff, really, is to see... Yeah. To see how your work is actually making exactly. a difference in the country and, like meet people face to face and make that relationship yeah it's a whole different perspective and I met 
honestly the most incredible people when I was there like it was totally totally life-changing and then like going out there I just remember it so clearly like it was like honestly terrifying because I didn't I was gonna know say, is it, really da- it must be so yeah. daunting it all happened so quickly and then it wasn't really till I got on the flight and I was just like and it hits what you, the like, fuck wow. am I doing because I didn't really know what to expect the other end I hadn't been given that much information on like who was going to meet me at the airport I didn't have a number didn't really know where like what it was going to be like where I was staying or who was going to be there mm. I really didn't know much at all um and I was just like what the hell am I doing like honestly and then I mean Dickie had like just got serious before before I went because I remember like on our second date I think probably totally freaked him out but on our second date I was like <laughs> just so serious. you know um I'm probably going to go to Sierra Leone at some point and he was just like okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> too. um you better lock me down now honey yeah what's our Sierra Leone boys exactly I ain't coming back but so he knew it was kind of coming, and then I just suddenly was like, but I didn't actually initially know how long I was going for or what it was going to lead to, or like I hadn't booked my return flights. I really, it was like very up in the air yeah. at that point. So yeah. So I was going to say, it was like quite quite tearful to be like, I don't know when I'm next going to see you. No, it was quite it was quite sad. I remember I was just like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I'm just like leaving something really good, and leaving my life my really comfortable life for like god knows what yeah but yeah no I'm so so glad I did it I think that's the perfect example of this is again very cliche but just stepping out of your comfort zone yeah like the that is the perfect example of how how you need to challenge yourself and you know and make yourself uncomfortable and how much it pays off as well like the fact that you said it it was one of the best experiences of your life I think when people think Sierra Leone, they just think Blood Diamond. Like, no, but I didn't really know about the country. Like, I think when you think about mm. it, you just think Blood Diamond, you think Civil War. Like, every time I told my, like, a member of my family or my friends, they'd be like, isn't that, like, really dangerous? Like, how are they allowing you to go there? And it's honestly one of the kindest, like, friendliest, safest places I've been. It's, like, so beautiful. And I think, like just to add to what you were saying before, mm. I think whenever I do something now in my life or my career and it's, like, a bit scary, I just think back and I'm like, nothing's going to be scarier than yeah than just getting on a plane to Sierra Leone. Yeah, like, don't shy away from it. Just lean in. Yeah. Do something scared. that scares you every day. <sighs> do you remember that quite recently? Like, this will have more context in a minute when I speak more about my current job, but... Do you remember that week when I had all those, like, meetings and presentations Yes. And I was still very much, like, supporting my manager to do most of that kind of stuff. And I was Mm. just, like, learning the ropes. And then one week he just um, had to, like, take a week off work. And they basically, him and my my team leader just, like, one one morning were just, like, yeah, so Dom's not going to be able to come to any of these do you want to, you've got to make the decision whether you want to move it all until he's back or do you want to just like go and do them all yourself? And I was like, absolutely shitting it. I was like, I have to go to like, literally go to companies and present to a whole company of people. I've never even done that, like supporting him before. I just, I've, I've never done that kind of public speaking. And I was just like, Firstly, it was just to have looked bad if I... It would look bad on us if we'd just moved everything. Yeah. Like, just a bit unprofessional. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna... 
I'm just gonna fucking do it. And it was so, like, I didn't really have time to think about it because yeah, it was like on that yes. day. And I just did yeah, it. Yeah, it's difficult when people so... put you on the spot because you can't yeah. just be like, ah. Yeah. And then originally, like, Julia was gonna come, who's my, the head of my team. She, she came with me. And originally I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to say this and then you can say, like, most of the stuff because you're, yeah. you're more like, experienced in this. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, walk uh, back the crowd and then yeah. whack them over to you. Exactly. And she was just like, um, I think you can do this on your own. And, like, I just needed that, that push. That push. Yeah. And now that week, I really think that defines everything I, like, had to do in that week and mm. step out of my comfort zone really defines, like what I'm what my what I'm confident in doing now and like yeah. what my ability like it was just a load of stuff that I can now tick that I can do which yeah. is like public speaking like chairing a meeting on my own all that kind of stuff that's really really scary and I was like it's part Bossing of my job it. description but I hadn't done it until then I was just like ah! but yeah it is it actually is really really scary it's so scary speaking. even I... chairing a meeting Oh do you my ever God. share meetings? Do you know, They're I scary. can describe the feeling as, do you remember when you were at primary school and you would have to, we would be reading a book. Yes. And you'd have, you'd have to read a sentence or maybe two sentences. Yeah. And you would know that your sentence is coming up and you'd be absolutely bricking it. Yeah. And you, like I would always read ahead. Yeah. And figure out which sentence I was going to read out. And then as soon as it would be me, I'd be like, <laughs> and I'd still F it up. And I'd be like, for God's sake, Karis. And, like, I don't think of myself, if any, people who know me will know I'm not a shy person whatsoever, but there is just something about public speaking yeah, that is totally. absolutely petrifying. Um, and now I present, like, it's such a big part of my job. I do so much presenting Yeah, you're always pitching. doing presentations. Yeah. I'm bossing it. It's so weird. Definitely something that I wanted to, like, discuss in terms of being an adult and having mm. a job. It's, like, so weird feeling like you add value and like knowing what your value is, because until then I didn't really, like the idea of responsibility, I think like that kind of freaked me out. And yeah. I was like, I'm not really an expert in anything. I can't really imagine what I can Bring make myself, yeah, or like yeah. making myself indispensable. And it wasn't until I had that interview and got the job when I was like, oh, I actually have skills here that are like r- desirable. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's so great. I think it's, um, it's definitely something that, because we are in our early 20s and a lot of us will have only have had, in terms of our like actual long-standing career, probably only had maybe between one and three jobs yeah. in the, like our, the career that we want to be in. It can feel like yeah, not knowing your worth, not knowing yeah. how important you are to a company. Yeah. And it's so, so important to just like sit back and check yourself and be like, you know what, actually, I am indispensable. Yeah. And... I have actually gained X, Y, and Z skills from this job, and that is a really desirable thing. The, the rest is development as a charity. Like everything that we do as a charity is like everything that I believe in. It's yeah. like it's like if I could sum up one charity and everything I believe in, it's it like encompasses all exactly like the like a lot of the work we do is. Um, gender rights, like sexual health rights. Um, it's about like, like livelihoods and putting people on, like giving people the resources and the support they need to like start their own businesses and support mm. their communities. Um, like ending child marriage. Basically, our kind of mantra is we're youth led, but instead of just like going into 
these countries and being like, this is what we think you need, this is how, this is what we're going to give you to do that. It's actually listening to the young people in those communities. Yeah, what they actually exactly. Want. Yeah, that's what our goals and our mission is. Instead of dictating, and exactly, just being like, we're here to fix all of your exactly. problems. Exactly. Yeah, it's like what are the biggest problems that you face in your communities, and that obviously looks different in every country. Like um, in Tanzania, a lot of it is like ending, pra- like ending um, harmful practices or um, just ending like the stigma against periods, anything mm. like that. Um, just teaching people about their their sexual health rights. Yeah. In the UK, we do a lot of work around HIV um, and like activism and lobbying the government um, and just trying to shine some light on these issues. A lot of it's about climate change. Like we're kind of our um, strategy is moving more towards that, which I'm a huge obviously. Aren't we all? But I'm like a. I've I've been to all the strikes. Flashback to yeah. veganist Holly. Exactly. So it's like literally everything I everything I care about so that's like another reason I love my job is because I love going out to people and pitching and just being like this is why this charity is incredible and this is why you should invest and it's not necessarily Mm. like one of the big 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 charities that you've heard of and it's going to look really good if you can just stamp your name against like oh we give to this charity it's more like it's a little like it requires a little bit more um time and yeah, effort I guess exactly but because it's not a house it's not a household so name much more rewarding. and the pe- the partners that we do get like are really really engaged in what we do and they get it and they understand and it's like that's what gets me up every day no but honestly the way that you're talking about it and I think this is so important because I also technically come from a sales job is it makes a difference when you actually be- you know believe in your product obviously your product is your charity and your charity's values but like you're no longer selling it because you believe it and mm. you know like if you're a firm believer in your in your cause sorry it makes it so it far more engaging um and like yeah just the way that you can talk about it so passionately because it's not fake it's coming from yeah. the heart whereas you know i think sometimes you I don't know you see other charities and you think like you know is, is this not is this genuine but you there are there it can often be some corruption in other charities yeah. and uh, with some of these other big bigger ones you, you do sometimes wonder exactly where your money is going and I think it's really 100%. important that um that you guys are so heavily involved but you also get the businesses so heavily involved yeah makes such a big difference and I think um, some I'm not going to name any specific charities, but I do think some, like, appeals way back that go back years and years and just these videos that play through these fundraising appeals of, like, look at all these sad Africans who are starving and blah, blah, blah. And now it's just in everyone's heads and now, like... There's one image and it's it's the same... Yeah, it's the same picture of, like, the really malnourished yeah, like with flies in their eyes and and it's much more nuanced than that yeah. i think it's just weird to think and this is what i find amazing and like a lot of the people i worked with is like there's like girls just like us mm. and just because of their circumstances they were born in like a country where they don't have those opportunities that we yeah. have but they have like the brain capacity, they have all of the. They are no. Le- they are. Yeah, they're no different to us. They just haven't had the resources to kind of like elevate them, and. Yeah, and I think that's like what's important. It's like how can we help you 
to achieve yeah just how we've had that our whole lives yeah yeah it's you know again it's just these things that we completely take for granted like we are so lucky to live in a country where we have all of these resources basically at our fingertips and we don't really have to um, i mean yeah depending none of us have really ever had to struggle or really feel strife in our lives and um that literally is just because we were born somewhere and as you said it's no by no fault of anyone to be born in a different context and it's unfair that they should be deprived of the opportunities that the rest of us have and we have Um, no we have no more right to a better life just because we were born in the uk exactly exactly Every single person I know tells stories of like, you know, gender inequality within the workplace and um, yeah, the same things that you tell me. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> what a position to be in. Oh my God. Everyone's like looking at you like, we're all one of your life, Holly. Gosh, darn it. Um, so I feel like I've been saying like I love my job, but I do love my job. No, 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 honestly. And I think it was hard. I'm I feel at a place where I can talk about loving it and not feel guilty because I was so unhappy for so long. Yeah. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was just like I don't know what career path I'm on. I don't even know if this is a career path. Like I have nothing that I want to do. I was really really unhappy for a really long. And then I was doing the internship and I was just like not being paid and I'm just. Yeah, that's what I, I mean actually about yeah, like not knowing your worth and not. Mm. I mean, it's so unfair that you did an unpaid internship mm. for eight months. Mm. Like once again, that is, and I I find this in in the film industry. Like we, as do most other um, film companies, I think, uh, only offer unpaid internships, and I'm like, you are closing off. Um, like a bracket of so many people because who realistically yeah. can afford to do that apart from, you know, people kids... People whose parents live in London. Yeah, like yeah. kids from privileged backgrounds whose parents can probably subsidise their life while they do these unpaid internships to get the experience that will then get them in the door to these industries. Like, that's not fair. Why, why is that the way that we work? But, yeah, I think just... Yeah, I... It's really easy when you're you're young and you're doubting yourself and your abilities to not know what you should and shouldn't be asking for in a company, mm. but never ever let a company take advantage of you. And if you if you think that you you're deserving of something, it's most like you know you're most likely right. You probably do deserve it, and you should ask your company for it. The worst they can say is no, so you might as well ask them for it. You know, if you if you're thinking. Um, I haven't been paid actually for six months like would you mind paying me even a little bit or like covering my travel expenses or at least paying for my um lunches while I'm here or something like that just like for all of the hard work that you put in as well I just think it's so unfair that they can take advantage of people like that this is not just I'm just saying yeah but I think the sad thing is that you only know that self-worth from experience don't you and it's going to probably be your first job where you're doing that unpaid internship and you just 
probably feel like you're pushing your luck by asking to be paid um because i think you're kind of i mean it's luckily it's slowly becoming it's being illegal yeah i saw it on linkedin yeah i just think um when you start those internships wherever they are like any sector you're probably have it drilled into you that like you're really lucky to have got this internship yeah that's exactly what they say and so you think like like, anyone could take it so you know if you're You're dispensable you are dispensable yeah but it's so unfair so unfair to have that view because it makes space for one kind of person yeah and i don't think that's a very no i think you're totally way that a business should work if i'm totally honest with you As we are nearing the end of the podcast hole, so late. I know. Um, what would you say you're feeling the most uncertain about right now? That's a really good question. I. You've hit oh. many milestones recently. We haven't even spoken about the fact that you're a quarter of a century old, and how you feel about that. I know. I feel uncertain about that, to be honest. Really? I feel uncertain. <laughs> I feel Shouldn't uncertain. Have said that. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I think. I don't think we spoke about it the other day, but like, I'm now 25. Very recently turned 25, and I'm suddenly like. I still feel 21 in my head. I still yeah. feel really young, and this is like such a random example. I, I think I was talking to you about this and you were like, that's so weird. But I was at the football the other day and I was like looking at the age of these footballers and I remember seeing like a 26-year-old and I was like, oh, he's really old. Like, that's a really old, really old footballer. Like, And then I looked at a 21-year-old and I was like, oh, he's, more, he's like more like my age. That's really, really young. And then I suddenly thought like, oh, I'm 25. Like, I'm closer to the 26-year-old than the 21-year-old. And that's like a really roundabout way of getting to that point. But it just made me think like, I'm nearly... I'm mid-20s. Next this year is it. I'll be You're officially half. in your mid-20s. And I just don't... It's not like I feel behind because I do, like... I'm in a relationship that I'm really happy in and I um, have a job that I really like. So I'm, like... I kind of, like, I'm on a good path. But I'm still, like, scared of ageing. <laughs> As we all are. I, I know, we all are. And yeah. it's only just becoming a problem it's only just becoming a thing for me yeah and sorry if there's anyone listening to this thing who's older than 25 which is most <laughs> like, people whenever up. i say yeah. this at work people are like oh god that's depressing you're so young but um <laughs> um no I, and i don't think 25 is old at all that i just i just am suddenly like oh wow i'm t- i'm a fully fledged adult i'm 25 yeah. rather than before i was like oh i'm just still in that gap between like teenager and that yeah adult. like i'm still figuring it out and yeah. it's like cool that i don't know what i do with myself now. and it is cool and it's it is fine. still fine it's completely fine we are in the generation between like our parents who were all married with kids in their early 20s like in their yeah, early 20s yeah. like a lot of our Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're in this new generation now of someone was. I I think I was listening to this in the receipts podcast, and they were basically saying we're basically the guinea pigs for this generation of like, oh, actually now it's fine to like still be single at twenty or just to be single at any age, and like we don't need to be married and we don't need to have kids and like we don't really need to know what you're doing with your life, and we're the first people that are like 
looking at life in that way mm. and we have nothing to compare it to like we can't go to our parents and be like oh what do we do if we're 30 and we're still xyz so nothing to compare it to so we're all kind of figuring it out and i think we're in that age where we're like I, th- I think we're still stuck between a mindset where we're nearing 30 and we feel like shit there's so much stuff we yeah. need to do in 30 and then actually thinking about it being like oh wait, that's like not how the world works anymore. Yeah, like, no, definitely, definitely. I think people definitely still see their life in these milestones. Like yeah. by 30, I was going to have mm. um, two children and be married. And yeah. it's like, nah, that's really unlikely. I mean, my Same example one. is always, and it's probably not the best example, but let's be honest, the Kardashians didn't peak until their 30s. Mm. So if Kimmy K didn't peak until 33, then I'm okay for another eight years, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to lie, I I genuinely think that your 30s are the best years of your life. Because I think that we're, as has like been discussed loads, still figuring so much shit out. Mm. And I think at 30, not only are you a bit more financially stable, not only are you more like confident in yourself and who you are and all of these things, like your life is kind of falling together a bit more, at, I mean, as much as it can. And I, yeah, I just think 30s are going to be the one... Well, if you ask my parents, they say that 23 is your best Yeah, I'm going to scratch that because 23 was a horrible year for me. <laughs> but do no you know what I mean? I do actually think that's a really good example of, like, different generations. Yeah. Because, and my parents actually did, like, they got married quite late and they had me and they were, like, probably the exception. They didn't have me till they were, like, 30. My mum didn't have me till she was 34. But, um, but... It was that mindset of, like, 23 is the year when you fully become an adult and you've probably moved out and you're, like... You've, like, got a job and you're in your career. And Do you know what I mean? And now it's, like, 23 to us is, like, barely out of uni. Baby face. Baby face, yeah. Like, 23, it's, like, that can't be the best year of your life because you're a barely developed fetus. I was a fetus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's true. And my grandparents would then say, like, oh, 17 was the best year. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Probably. If 17 was my best year, God help me. But that was a what? Yeah. That was, like, that's what it was like. Like, yeah. you, at 17, 18, you're in the prime of life and you met your partner and you were, like, engaged the next week or whatever. Good Lord. Um... Holly, we could talk for hours and hours more. And we will. We and will. We After will. this microphone's off, we'll still talk. Um, but thank you so much. I I also would here. like to wish you luck on editing this, because we have actually just... It's two hours. It's just under two hours. Just One hour t- 53. Is that why you were checking? I'm yeah. We sat down to record at like half past eight, though, and it's like, it's like two and a half hours that we've actually been like... It's a lot. It's so much. Um... Good luck, Aris. I think I know something that Karis is uncertain about, and that is how she's gonna how I'm gonna get this this down. Of (laughs) course. Well, we shall see. This is the end of my life. Um, If you guys are interested in restless development and all of the stuff that they do, I will link to their website and um, Holly's page and everything in the show notes. Um, And yeah, like. I hate saying like and subscribe. I'm not going to do that. That's really lame. Um, subscribe to my channel. Woo, I don't need videos every Wednesday. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone. This has been the Uncertainties. Bye. Bye.